Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. I don't know about y'all, but I am actually a little bit sad to see this series in. We're wrapping this series up today, Letters from My Future Self. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from uh, some of you guys just talking about how uh, some of the messages have really connected with you and helped you kind of get to a place or get to a mindset that maybe you haven't been in a long time or you haven't been before. And so um, I just want to encourage you to keep reminding yourself that it does not matter what you're doing right now. When God is in the picture, anything is possible when you submit things to him. He can change you. You might think, man, I'm so stuck in my ways. I'm so messed up. You don't know how many times I've failed, how many times I've screwed up. There's no way God can use me. That's a lie. He can use you absolutely. And you just got to start fresh. And that's the beautiful thing is that when we follow Jesus, there are new mercies every morning, it says. Um, But I'll tell you one thing. What we're talking about today is near and dear to my heart. Um, I don't like to wait. Do any of y'all like to wait? I'm not, I'm not a big horn blower. My wife, on the other hand, is a horn blower. Um, but if you're at a traffic light, you know, and like when, as soon as it hits green, I'm ready to go. I'm like at the drag strip taking off is how I want to be. I'm like, I got, I got places to go. I got people to see. It's like when that light turns green, we need to be rolling. Get off your phone and hit the gas. Can everybody say amen? amen. Unless you're one of them phone people that's sitting there like this. But I'm not a horn blower. It takes a lot for me to blow my horn. But I don't like to wait. It's not a lot of fun. Um, About a year and a half maybe ago, uh, me and I think it was Luke and Daniel, I believe, uh, were heading back east to see um, my family. But we had a time. I can't remember what we were going to do, but we were like on a time schedule. We were trying to get down there. Um, We were leaving early in the morning, and we were going to swing by and get breakfast at Bojangles and Nightdale. And the line was just backed up around, I mean, just around your elbow to get your thumb type thing, right? And so we're like, all right, we're going to go hit the one right off the exit at Wilson, North Carolina. And we'll we'll swing in there, jump out real quick. I mean, run through the drive through real quick, and then get on the road, get there in time to whatever our appointment was. And so we, we go to Wilson, go in Bojangles there. I was just, we were just craving some um, bow rounds maybe or something like that. That's what I was craving. And I guess y'all don't like bow rounds. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I I'm, I'm, was with somebody the other day, had never been to Bojangles in their life. I was like, anyway, but we were craving some bow rounds. So we go in the drive-thru and it is I mean, it's around the building as well. It's actually the line in the drive-thru is backed out to the road. But I'm like, man, I'm starving, and I get a little hangry, just being honest. And I'm like, I got to get some food in me. And so I've already mentioned I get hangry sometimes. So the line is backed up there, and it is just packed. And, and everybody's just waiting. It's just taking a while. And we're inching forward, inching forward, lining up actually onto the street behind us at this point. And I see somebody pull into the parking lot, See the line go around and then come up about six or seven cars from the back of the line and is going to try to cut in. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I'm like, I hope you know the Lord because you're about to meet him. You know, that's, that was my thought. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And, I, you know, I'm like fired up because I'm like, no, you don't do that. You saw, I saw, it's not like they didn't, they came in, didn't know. I watched them drive by everybody, go around and try to do it. And I'm like, nope, ain't gonna let you in. So I'm like, all right, people, we got to get this together. We got to keep that gap tight. <laughs> and I had to eat. And so we go along, the, the truck in front of me, all of a sudden he's getting up to where this car is about to be. 
And I see him holding his brake, and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? He like, y'all, I love Jesus. I love people. But sometimes I don't love, I don't like people. <laughs> he let him in. And man, I was, we're running late. I'm hungry. And I just start laying into this dude in my car. I mean, I didn't get out of my car. I ain't that crazy. I, you don't have to leave the church. I'm not that crazy. But I was just ranting and raving. And I mean, I, I was thinking of every name I could call him. I, I think I, I kept it like PG-13-ish at least. And, but I'm like, I'm calling him every name, talking about his mama probably. I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. I don't try to stand up here and act like I've got it all together all the time. I'm getting better, and I do a lot better than I used to. But there's sometimes that the flesh gets a hold of me, and I'll just be honest. And so I'm just laying in this dude, and I'm like... <laughs> And I mean, and it's still taking a while. I hadn't got up to the window yet. And we're sitting there and we, we order our food and I get up to the window finally. And that sorry dude paid for my meal. <laughs> I mean, I cannot believe it. The audacity. He was the worst person in the world. I knew it. I knew it because I was running late and I was hungry and he let her in in front of us and that sucker paid for my food. I don't know if he saw me ran and raving. He's like, well, watch this. I'm going to get him good. I don't know. I don't have a clue. But it taught me. I mean, I, I literally... Sometimes I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. I've been wrong at least once in my life, maybe something like that. But, I mean, I just busted out laughing. I was like, okay, God, you're so funny. I mean, God has a sense of humor, and I just caught this lesson. I was like, waiting can be a good thing. And we don't always understand or know why we're waiting. And when we are waiting, it can be infuriating, can it? It can be terrifying. It can be all of the above and, and throw in all some extra emotions. It can be fear-inducing. It can be all of these things. And we don't like to wait. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. I, I'll be honest with you, and I always try to be upfront and honest. This message, you know, we, we, we patterned this series after uh, a church in Arizona. And uh, some of the messages we've been using from what they preach, and some have been ones that we've, you know, written completely from scratch. But this one, I'm sharing a lot of what uh, the, the, pre the first preacher, Ashley Woolridge, what he shared because it was just so good. And so I owe a lot of credit to him, and I just want to say that just to be upfront and honest. But that passage of scripture that, that we start off with, Lamentations 3, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And when we're sitting in here, and you know, we've laughed a little bit because you laughed at how stupid I can be. And I, that's always a good thing, right? It's easy to say, oh, amen, amen. But when you're the one waiting, it's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? It's a little uncomfortable when you're the one waiting. Have you ever just thought, man, I just wish 
that my life could be like some of these people I read about in the Bible, then I could be just this great mountain of faith and hope. I could be one of those heroes. If I just experience some of the things that they experience, have you ever caught yourself saying that? I'm the only one. You know, I've thought, it's like, man, if I could just experience things and see things like Moses did, man, how much stronger would my faith be if I could just experience the things like, you know, Gideon did and Elijah and, and, you know, all these different people in the New Testament. If I could just experience what they experienced, I could just have so much more faith and, uh, man, I would just do so much better at this Christian life thing. But I want to tell you one thing. You're hard-pressed to find one of the heroes in the Bible that God didn't make them wait through an incredibly difficult time. You know, sometimes we just remember the highlights, especially if you grew up in, in church, maybe going to a Sunday school class and you got the little story each week. You might just remember the highlights and you go through and you haven't thought about the time and the situations that these people experienced. And so for what we think of as just being, oh, their life was just great. They prayed and, and man, fire came down from heaven and boom. I mean, it was just like that. But then it says that Elijah was afraid for his life not long after and wanted to die wanted to die and he ran and ran and ran for his life and you look at a few people just to help jog your memory a little bit you remember Joseph we've talked about him recently Joseph he spent 13 years in a pit or prison until he was finally elevated to the second place in command in all of Egypt 13 years when you read a few chapters in the Bible, it's just hard to fathom that his story had a 13-year rough streak. 13 years, y'all. He was in prison or a pit during those 13 years for the most part. The Apostle Paul. You know, you think about him, and man, I mean, once he turns his life around and gives it to Jesus, I mean, it's like, come on, let's go. But if you read it, kind of read through the lines and, and pause and slow down, he spent three days in fear for his life and his soul because he thought he was the greatest friend of God and then found out he's the enemy of God three days before Ananias comes and heals him and then tells him to get up and be baptized, washing his sins away. So he sat in the full weight of his sin that he was actually persecuting Jesus for three days and then he waited 14 years before he ever took his first missionary journey you know you think about it you think about this guy who had all this knowledge of the Old Testament he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and then he you know he thinks he wants to destroy this this sect of followers of the way of Jesus and but then he understands who Jesus is and he gets this knowledge and he gets all this stuff and so he's the perfect one and you can tell by what you read about him he's ready he's ready to go he's like come on I'm ready to go you know let me get out there I'm a attack dog I want to go and attack the gates of hell but it's like wait 14 years I got a lot of time to make up for. I just was a screw-up for so long. But no, wait, 14 years before he goes on his first missionary journey. King David. Okay, now, now this is a, a fairy tale story, right? He was the little boy who went out and slayed uh, a giant. But do you realize that when he was anointed as king, it was 15 years before he moved into the palace? 15 years from anointing to coronation as king. He spent a lot of time running and fearing for his life. Saul was breathing out murderous threats, tried to kill him numerous times. He did not have a place of his own to lay his head for a lot of that time. 15 years from anointing to coronation. Abraham and Sarah, do you remember them? 
He was told that they were going to be the, the father and the mother of many nations. And they were made that promise, and it was 25 years before their promised child came. 25 years. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before he leads the people out of slavery. It's been said many times, it's one of my favorite sayings, is that Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody when he was a prince of Egypt. He spent 40 years thinking he was a nobody in the desert, and then he spent the last 40 years of his life seeing what God can do with a nobody. But 40 years... 40 years waiting in the desert before he ever began to lead the people out of slavery. And then, if you need one more, Jesus. Jesus, although he was very much uh, God in the flesh, he was a person. He still had, he was God, he was God, but he spent 30 years on this earth before he began his public ministry. And spent about three and a half years doing his public ministry. 30 years waiting, knowing what his mission was, but yet waited 30 years before it began. And so I want you to hear this. If you're in a season of waiting, you're in good company. You're in a, if you're in a season of waiting, you're in good company. I, I want to admit something really, really close up front here, though. If you are in pain, that doesn't take the pain away, does it? I'm not ever going to pretend that it takes away the pain. Some of you are waiting for something. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for a baby. You're waiting for a spouse, or you're waiting for a spouse to come to their senses, or you're waiting for a job, or you're waiting for some more financial stability, or you're waiting for this, or you're waiting for that, and you are hurting. We all have been there or are going to be there, or we're there right now. It's just the reality of life. But I want you to know, if you are in a season of waiting, you are not alone. I just listed several, several people who have been through it, have gone there, been there, and done that, and had the t-shirt to tell about it, right? If you're there, you're not by yourself. But here's what I do want you to know. Even though it doesn't take the pain away, I want you to know that you can rest and sure that that doesn't mean that you're messed up or necessarily wrong. I will say, and we'll get a little bit into this in a moment, is that sometimes we are waiting because we are dumb. <laughs> I mean, I say we, y'all. I'm not just attacking you. It's we, plural. We are dumb sometimes. You know, you play, I've always, I love the saying, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. I've done that many times. Here's my prize, you know, and I earned it. But for the most part, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are waiting because you are messed up or unworthy or unloved. It, it absolutely doesn't mean that. And it probably means you're not necessarily wrong either. And I know that's hard to hear, but here's what we need to hear. Waiting is a normal part of the Christian life. I wish I could tell you something different. And there are a lot of preachers, there are a lot of ministries out there, especially on YouTube and on television, that will tell you, oh, no, you know, life is going to be easy once you follow Jesus. But <laughs> that's exactly right. It is laughable because anybody who's truly followed Jesus has not experienced that life of ease. We're living for an eternity of ease, but we may not have it this side of heaven. Waiting can be normal, and it can be painful all at the exact same time, because nobody likes to wait. 
King David said in Psalm 13, verse 1, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I know that's driving y'all crazy, isn't it? Or is, is it just me? I'm waiting for it to fix. But he said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This man was referred to as a man after God's own heart. And he would cry out, how long, O Lord, until you come through? Can you ever say that you felt that way? We felt that way. We've been angry. We've been frustrated. We've been wondering. We've been thinking, how long, oh Lord? And I want you to hear this. It's okay to question. It's okay to question. It's okay to question and wonder. But here's what I want you to do. Even in the midst of your questioning, remember to trust God. We, we talked a lot about that last week. But remember to trust God. Look at Psalm 13, verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He goes on to say, but I've trusted in you, God, and I'm going to rejoice in your salvation. And I would dare to argue and dare to offer this idea. He said this before the salvation came. And that's what you and I have to do because God's been faithful in the past. He's been faithful now. He will be faithful in the future. So remind yourself that God will come through. Here's the second thing you need to wrap your mind around. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. It's easy to look back, especially to other people's lives, and say, oh, yeah, I see that. Man, you know, God really showed up for her. And God showed up for him. Maybe you can even look back in your own life and you can say, well, God really showed up for me that time, but I don't know the situation this time's different. You ever felt that? Don't want to admit it, maybe. <laughs> but we've all been there. We feel like maybe God's not going to show up this time, but while you're waiting, God is working. And in the waiting, God may be doing the greatest work that you ever see him do. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. But here's the thing. You might want to just understand that maybe God's sort of putting you through boot camp. <laughs> you know, he's putting you through boot camp because the men and women that go and fight in our military, they have to go through boot camp first. And for many of them, it's one of the hardest things that they ever experience, right? But they do not ever want to see a battlefield without boot camp first. Am I right? I mean, they would not be prepared. They would not be prepared for just the, the horrible things that they may have to face unless they go through boot camp. And so while you're waiting, just know that even though it's not fun, boot camp's not fun, God might be putting you through it. It's necessary for your survival to prepare you. And so while you're waiting, God is working on your competency so that you're prepared for what is next. Can you, get, can you wrap your mind around that? While you're waiting, God is working on your competency so you're prepared for what is next. Because what's coming, if you just go into it right now without a season of waiting, you probably won't be able to handle it. Good and bad. And we need to just understand that from the inside out. The problem that, we are under, that we're struggling with, though, is that we're prideful, aren't we? We're proud. We are prideful people. And we think that we are always absolutely ready. 
You know, we think we are incredibly ready at any moment. You know, if we're praying, God, you know, money's just so tight. I need this or I need that. I need, you know, Lord, I need to win the lottery. I mean, I don't know what it is, you know. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you about this. How many shows and stories are there of people who win the lottery and their life is about 100 times worse after they win than before they won? So many of them, you go five years down the road and they are absolutely broke and they are at odds with their entire family. You know, you know a, a sudden windfall of money is not going to give you peace. It's not going to give you joy. If you don't have peace and joy with nothing, you won't have peace and joy with everything. And so you need to understand, and I need to understand, that the problem is, is that we're prideful. And it's like, I can handle it now. Whatever it is that we're praying for, that we're waiting for, I can handle it now, I can handle it now, I can handle it now. We can say, God, give me wealth. God, give me a leadership position. God, bring me a man or God, bring me a woman. And we can often force it. And what happens, especially in those categories, those last two, we can kind of force it and we can fail, can't we? You ever thought that maybe God in his wisdom is saying, if I brought you that godly man or woman that you want right now, they wouldn't be interested in who you are right now? That's hard to hear. But maybe God is preparing you for what is perfect and next in his time. Whatever the scenario is, whatever the situation is, what if God, during your season of waiting right now or in the future or in the past, what if during your season of waiting is trying to make you into the person that the person you're looking for is actually looking for? While you're waiting... God is not only working on your competence, but he's working on your character so that you won't fail at what's next. Can I really simplify things? I'm simple. (laughs) And all God's people said, amen. But there's so many times these simple things that I've known for years that God's kind of like, and it finally breaks through. Have you considered that God might know what he's doing? (laughs) I have so many times when I question and I shake my fist and I'm angry and I'm crying out and I'm screaming out and I'm yelling out, God, why, why, why? You know, why not now? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But have you ever thought that maybe God knows what he's doing? God knows what he's doing, and he is preparing you and shaping you into who you need to be because maybe your character is not where it needs to be for you to appreciate and handle everything he's going to give you in his perfect time. You see, like in positions of leadership, character doesn't make you a leader. It sustains you as a leader. It sustains you as a leader. And often our our competency takes us to places that our character can't sustain us. If you need an example, think about King Saul and King David. When it was time to choose a king, the people begged for a king. They said, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. And they looked, and they saw Saul, and he looked like he fit the bill perfectly. I mean, he checked all the boxes. He was tall. He was just good looking. I mean, he just seemed to be the one, right? And they rushed ahead, and God's like, all right, sometimes if you keep rushing, I'm just going to give you what you ask for rather than what you need. And I'll give you what you deserve. And so he allows King Saul to be anointed, and then he is a total train wreck. He's got some good moments, like all of us, you know, but he is overall a total train wreck. 
And David, looking on the outside, didn't, didn't look like he was the guy. You know, he was smaller in stature. Yes, he was brave. He checked some of the boxes. But, you know, you look at Saul, you look at David, you're going to go with Saul nine times out of ten and twice on Sunday, right? You know, I mean, you're going to look and you're going to say, hey, he's the one. But other people would have looked at him and said, oh, David's not the one. Both of them had competencies. But here's the thing. Saul's character wasn't developed enough. So he didn't last. David had to wait 15 years as God developed not only his competency, but also his character. And therefore, he was allowed to last as king. Now, I've got to point out the, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is what? King David had a lapse in his character, didn't he? He failed miserably. He had an affair, and then he committed a murder to cover up that affair. And here's what I want you to know. It, it, this might be a bright, shining light moment for you like it has been for me a little bit. God still called him a man after his own heart, even with that glaring sin. And he still would be considered a man of character because just in case you were wondering, you will never, ever be perfect. You will never, ever get it all right all the time. You will never, ever hit a thousand percent every time. It will not happen. And because you will fail and because you will stumble does not mean that God rejects you. It does not mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God can't use you. It means that he is just shaping you and allowing your struggles and your sins to make you into a stronger person if you keep turning back to him. Because what shows that David had character was even though he committed these horrible sins, even though he made these stupid decisions, these horrible things, when he was confronted, what did he do? Yep, I'm wrong. That shows character. Because even though he did those horrible things, that didn't mean he had necessarily bad character. He was a person with good character who made a stupid, horrible decision, committed a sin, two sins. Maybe three or four, maybe, maybe 12. <laughs> but he was not someone who was a person of bad character. He repented, and it showed that even though he made a horrible decision, he still was a good follower of God because it's never been about us being perfect. Because if we could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. And so he was a person who still turned his heart back to God. His response to sin was proof of his character. Not a reason to question his character overall. Maybe you need to hear that today. And so if you're waiting, ask this question, God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to do in me? What sin do I need to let go of? What strength are you building in me? Who are you trying to make me into during this waiting time if you find yourself waiting? Because here's something that we need to hear. God doesn't want to, your talent to take you where your character can't keep you. Because on our own skills and our own abilities, there are things that we can get in this life that we're just not ready for until God builds a little character into us. And we don't want to go ahead of God and allow our talent to take us somewhere that our character can't keep us. While you're waiting, God is working on your dependence as well. He's working maybe on your competency, on your character. But this is the biggie, and everybody needs to wake back up for this one, all right? Your dependence. He's building your dependence so you trust him more and less in yourself. 
And that's something that all of us need to hear. Um, you know, you ever think about, you know, if, if you got a toddler, you know, maybe two to five years old or something like that, and they want to play basketball, and they're sitting there, and they're trying to, mm, they're trying to throw the ball up there, mm, and it goes about two feet over their head and falls to the ground. It's nowhere near the rim, right? And so you take them, you either hold them up, or you put them on your shoulders, and then they can take the ball, and they go in, and they throw it in, and they make it. In their mind, what did they just do? They won the NBA Finals. They hit, you know, the game-winning three, the national championship game, you know, college basketball. They're like, Kobe! You know, I mean, that's what they're thinking. They did not really make that basket, did they? And so that's why, especially when my boys were little, you know, when they're out there shooting basketball, I'm like, I'm just swatting stuff. Like, yeah, get up, son. You know, because too much, too much. It's true. I've done it. And they're good. You know, they're good now. Now they're like, get out of here, son, when they block my shot. But here's the thing. They think, and we think, it's like, look what I did, look what I did. But you only did it because you're sitting on somebody's shoulders, right? Because you're being held up. And you and I need to, to embrace this truth and understand this truth that God is, is holding us up. And we need God if we're ever going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in us, what he wants to do through us and in us. We're resting and working on his shoulders, not to beat a dead horse, but thinking about the whole looking for a man or a woman thing. You know, if, if you're trying to do it on your own and you're on dating apps and you're going to gyms and you're going to bars and you're flirting and you're trying to find a mate and then you finally give up because all you find is losers, God's like, yes, finally. Finally, now I can bring you to the person who, I, who I've got that's going to be a good fit for you. I've been waiting for you to turn and say, look, I need your guidance, God. I need to look for the kind of person that you want me to have. And I need to be the kind of person that they need to have. I need to trust you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. People who look at themselves and say, without God, I have nothing those are the people that are rich in the kingdom of God who say, God, I need you for everything. Understand that God is far more interested in who you're becoming than what you're doing. We sort of talked about that a lot last week, actually, too, in a roundabout way. God is far more interested in who you're becoming than what you're doing you know, some of you have heard the story, maybe to ad nauseum, but I, I wanted to plant a church for most of my time in Bible college. Once I learned that church planning was a thing, it just intrigued me. You know, I was going to be a business major at East Carolina University, and that whole, like, entrepreneur type thing just kind of was like, you know, God wired me that way a little bit. But I kept running from it. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into all the gory details. It's too long of a story, but... I, you know, God would sort of put it in the forefront of my heart and I'd look into it and then I'd freak out and I'd run away. And I was involved in ministry. I was doing many good things. I was making an impact for God's kingdom. I don't doubt that at all, but I kept running away from the church planning thing. And I was in ministry for 16 years before he, you know, boom, kicked me out of the boat. 
It was like, now's the time. But, and sometimes I wonder, it's like, God, how many opportunities did I miss? But I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was preparing me. I don't think that my character was there to deal with church planning because, man, I've had heartbreak in ministry in those first 16 years, but there is nothing like the heartbreak and the fear and the worry that you experience in church planning. It's just another different ball game. It's just crazy because I believe that church plants, new churches do so so much good for the kingdom and the enemy has got you in his crosshairs when you are part of a church plant. And some of y'all can say amen. <laughs> and I believe that if I had been in a church plant straight out of Bible college that I would have crumbled and probably walked away from my faith. Because much better people than me have walked away from their faith because they got too many stings and arrows that got through their armor. Or maybe they took their armor off. And so we understand that we need to be dependent on God. And just a super practical example is, you know, my family, like a lot of families at that time, before we launched the church, had a lot of debt. You know, we credit card, medical bills, all sorts of stuff like that. And somebody introduced us to Financial Peace University. And we decided to do that. We followed that plan and we got out of debt, paid off all of our debt except, you know, I guess a mortgage at that time. And then a few months later, God's like, all right, now it's time to plant the church. And if we had still had that debt hanging overhead, it would be a backbreaker to come and plant a church. And so God, in his wisdom, we had no clue, was preparing us because we need him. And here's the deal. Even since the existence of this church, I've seen so much how much we need God. You know, um, one of the things that I did strategically was I said, I want to plant a church that in the second year of the church, there's a worldwide pandemic. You didn't know what a world pandemic was, right? I didn't know what a worldwide pandemic was either. I, I never would have planned that. But I see now that God has built us up and made us stronger, and we're experiencing the fruit of that. You know that over the past several months, we've been averaging in the 90s. You know, each Sunday, yeah, that's, that's great. We've had 10 baptisms to date this year alone. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, that's double any other year at one, one year. And we're not even halfway through the year yet. And, and it's just God's building us up. And if you're going to grow tall, you got to get strong roots first. And one of the things that we've always said was we didn't want to just be a church that was like a come and see church, a consumer type church. And, you know, I, I guess it's okay for all different types. It's fine. That's, that's okay. But we said we want to be a church that really makes disciples as much as we can and, and loves one another and loves the community. And one of the things that God has had to tell me because I've been arguing with him, I was like, God, if you just let me take the reins a little bit, I could get this thing going a little bit better. But he's taught, yeah, yeah, I've said it. <laughs> but he's taught me, it's like, you don't want the same result as everybody else's. Your journey's not going to look the same. You don't want to get to point A. You want point B. So you're going to have to take a different path. And I still have to learn that lesson. And maybe you need to learn that lesson. You want something better, something different, something deeper, something richer. And God can call you to something. And then he can put you in a waiting room. So stop fighting God. I believe God called us here. And the path hasn't been like I thought or like I wanted even at times, but I know that God is good. And sometimes I'm arguing in the waiting room, but I learn to trust God time and again. And then I forget, and then I remind myself, 
God is doing more than we could ever imagine. I want you to see this next slide. A waiting season is never a wasted season. Maybe you just need to hear that today. I could have shortened this thing up, but a waiting season is never a wasted season. God wants you or God wants to do something in us before doing something through us. Maybe God is working on something in you before he does something big through you or for you. And then here's the third idea. God's delays are not always God's denials. Maybe you've experienced a delay and you think God is done with you, that you're abandoned. You know, we've already talked about that a little bit. Think back to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah, God promised them to, he was going to be the father of many nations and he can't even have one child. One child. And so what do they do? What all of us try to do. They take matters into their own hands and Sarah devises a plan and says, look, here's my maidservant. You know, you can sleep with her and we'll have a kid. Yay, problem solved. Nope, that was not the child of the promise, was it? God made a promise and God would fulfill but how many times do we rush ahead and try to do it ourselves? And God finally delivers in his time. But let me point out this really quick. When they tried to handle it their way, did it make things better or worse? It made a mess for centuries and still makes a mess because they wanted to rush ahead. They did not trust God's time. In Genesis 18, verse 12, when God finally says, okay, now it's time, it's about to happen. You know, he'd promised 25 years before, and now he comes up. Genesis 18, verse 12 says, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? You know, she laughs because she thinks God's joking, right? They've waited so long. Look at verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? God sees this, right? He knows what's going on in here. She thought she was hiding it, but God says, why did she laugh? Why is she laughing? Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That is profound. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Some translations say, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? If you trust God's timing, allow him to work at his pace and his timing with his wisdom and his knowledge, there is wonderful things that are waiting for you. They may not be the way that you thought. They may not look the way that you think. They may not feel the way that you think they should feel. But they will be wonderful, and there is nothing too big for God. There's nothing too difficult. Look there at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15 sort of sums it all up. It says, and thus Abraham, having waited patiently, obtained the promise. He waited patiently on God and he obtained the promise. If you circumvent your patience, you could negate God's promise. Maybe we need to hear that. What God is calling you to, wait patiently on it for him to show up in his time. Sometimes even after the wait, we don't get the outcome that we wanted and that we were hoping for. And that's why learning dependence on God is so vital. So there are two postures that I want you to have, and I'm wrapping things up, but here they are. And here they are, there you go. <laughs> hey, it's about waiting. 
Are you going to endure the weight or embrace the weight? Because that will totally change the way you feel about the weight. Most of us are stuck in the I'm enduring the waiting, right? We're mad, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're finding fault, we're blaming God, we're upset, you know, all these different things. Are you enduring the weight or are you embracing the weight? Ashley Woolridge, the guy who I said I, I love this message that a lot of I'm sharing from his, said that he and his family, big extended family, went to Disneyland in California. And they were waiting for the brand new opening of the Star Wars ride, this big deal, right? And they were told, okay, the long, line's getting longer, it's getting longer, it's going to be two and a half hours. And they said, all right, we're going to stick it out. And said that um, his wife and her sister are like the fun committee, and so whenever they're around, there's going to be a party. And so they started playing uh, these games. They started playing all these different games. They're in the line, and they said every, pretty soon, even the people that weren't with them were gathered around watching and cheering and doing all this. He said some of them were taking side bets, right? about who's going to win, and they're playing these games. And then he said, you know, I reached out to the family, you know, a month later, and I just had a little, little thing, little experiment that I wanted to find out. I said, what was your favorite moment of that week-long trip together in our time at Disney? And you know what every single person said? The two and a half hours waiting in line for the Star Wars ride. They could have saved a lot of money, couldn't they, right? But they were waiting, and that was the greatest point because they were focused on one another. They laughed. They spent time together. It was their favorite memory. And if you can change your mindset from enduring the weight to embracing the weight, it can change everything for you. Life can be like that if we learn to trust and embrace the weight. And so I want you to ask if you're in that waiting or when you get into that waiting time, ask this question, God, what are you trying to tell me? Just start asking that question. God, what are you trying to tell me? So here's the question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I want you to know if you're in a season of waiting, you're in good company. While you're waiting, God is working. And God's delays are not always God's denials. So embrace the wait. As we sing this last song, I want to invite you to surrender whatever it is you need to surrender. Maybe you're in a waiting room right now or you're getting ready to be in a waiting room and you just don't know what you're going to do and when God's going to show up. It might just be one of these. It might just be... Universal sign of surrender. God, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm done trying to figure it out. I'm done trying to plan. I'm done trying to scheme. I'm done trying to save myself. I'm done trying to save my family. I'm just going to surrender and be yours and wait and embrace the wait. But you can't do it like this. You can't embrace it when your hands are full of you. You got to empty 
So today, if you need to surrender everything to Jesus and make him Lord of your life, you can be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away. And that's the ultimate surrender. And you can learn to trust and embrace the weight. But maybe you've already done that and you're still holding on and your arms are crossed and you're mad and you're angry and you're questioning, you're fearful and you don't know what it is. Maybe today's the day you just drop it all and say, I'm embracing the weight, Lord. Help me see what you're going to do in me and through me. Talk to somebody. Pray with someone. Don't leave here just like this. Surrender. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.